Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's an optimist. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into a brand new spanking episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated Skylar Callahan. Our Carolina Panthers are five and nine after a 31 to 14 thumping from the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday. Uh, we'll get into all of everything that went down on Sunday and what to expect going forward here in just a bit. But before we do, a quick word from one of our sponsors at Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50 to believe your bonus, or excuse me, to re- receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, the past couple of weeks, I've uh, started uh, off these podcasts by basically asking Skyler you know, the vibe in the press box uh, walking out after the end of these games. And uh, this one's no different. So we'll just kick it off that way. Skylar, what's the uh, <laughs> what was the vibe coming out of the press box after watching that uh, Panthers-Bills fiasco on Sunday? I mean, it really at this point, I mean, can you really expect anything different? It, it's kind of how I look at it. I mean, this, is, this has kind of been the way it's been for a few weeks now, and – this team's losing guys left and right, whether it be COVID, whether it be injuries. So, I mean, it, it doesn't really come to me as a shock, but I will say this, and, and I know a lot of people are probably going to dispute that this, this statement, but I, 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 I don't know if I just watched the game t- from a totally different perspective just because I, I, I wasn't grown up in, in – I, I didn't grow up in Carolina. I wasn't – uh, a Panthers fan from the start. I, I was. N- I've never tr- technically been a Panthers fan. I cover the team, so I have. To, I watch it from a different lens, I guess. Mm-hmm. And all these fans are frustrated, annoyed. I get it. The way I look at it is, they didn't have Zane Gonzalez, which that whole fiasco was. <laughs> that was interesting. Let's actually, let's. Well, since you, I'm glad you mentioned that because let's just start there because yeah. uh, <laughs> the the thing that bothered me. 
actually the most out of everything because you're right we've kind of got to a point where it's like eh, i kind of expected this they're going to be close through most of the game and then the other team's going to probably pull away because we're just lacking things but man every week you've kind of talked me off of the ledge with uh head coach matt rule and and there's been great reasons to, to walk me off the ledge this week that that very thing right there zane gonzalez getting hurt in uh pre-game warm-ups and there's no emergency kicker designated on the team. That is a coaching thing. Like, you're supposed to be prepared for something like this. And the, what made it worse for me is that they held kicker tryouts on the field an hour before the game in front of the Bills. In front of the Bills. So the Bills are just sitting there laughing at us before the kickoff. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, what, what is happening here? There's no one here on the roster. They've never, on a Tuesday, like at lunch, been like, hey, can you kick a football? Can you kick a football? What happens if Gonzalez gets hurt? Why don't we see if uh, Zilstra or somebody could kick a football? No, let's do it at 1230 in the afternoon at Orchard Park while all these Bills fans are watching this. It just, it, it rubbed me, the, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like I went into that game like, they're going to find a way to screw this up just from, they did it before the kick. <laughs> like I, I can't, that part has bothered me more than anything else that I saw on Sunday and I just want to get that out because it felt good to get it out. Cause so this is, this is kind of my synopsis on the situation. So although it is embarrassing and it, it does kind of look bad to, to not have emergency plan necessarily to be, to be quite honest. I mean, this team has so many issues right now. I don't know that their first, their first thought is randomly like, let's, let's figure out who else can kick. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah, true. But they, I mean, this is something they should have known in preseason, though, right? Like every team has some. Like Ooh. I remember, uh, like uh, Wes Walker was an emergency kicker for the Patriots. Uh, Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson kicked for the Bengals. Like these are position players that they knew coming into the game. Okay, if something happens, I'm going to be the kicker because we don't have one. It felt like th- this never crossed the mind of the coaching staff that Gonzalez could get hurt. Well, they, I think they knew too. They knew in the back of their mind. PJ did actually kick back in high school. I don't. Someone said he kicked in college. I've I've oh. dug and dug and dug, and I've never found anything that he ever attempted a field goal in college. But I know he did kick in high school, so they did have that in the back of their mind. He won. He was one of the 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 few out there trying field goals before the game. Mm. Um, I think they kind of knew ahead of time Brandon Zilstra would be an option. But again, this was this is what gets taken out of complete context because from my understanding, they knew that the potential players that could kick, they just wanted to go out there and see who was going to give them the best opportunity. That wasn't, I don't think they just had a no idea at all. Now I know that there's this thing going around saying that they were pulling players. I mean, I, I think it was more so of, Hey, do you feel comfortable to kick if we need you? So that's the way I took it. But then again, I mean, at the end of the day, that's not my biggest gripe because I think there's other things that you that everyone should be more concerned about than the kicking situation because at the end of the day, they, they you can make an argument legitimately that the Panthers have the best kicker in the entire NFC. Yeah, yeah, like, I would say that. Yeah, and and if he's available, you got to think the Panthers got deep inside Bills territory twice that game was way closer than the score indicated because had he been available, they would have kicked those two field goals. I assume he would have made both of those two field goals, and it would have been a 24-20 to game in the fourth quarter against the Buffalo Bills on the road. To me, 
I understand it looked bad. I understand the fourth one call was bad. I, I get that. But to think that it really could have been and should have been 24 to 20, a one score game in the fourth quarter, I mean, that tells me a lot right there. Like, I, and I just think the kicking situation, everyone's just finding things to nitpick about. Like, any other team in the NFL, if they have their starting kicker, their, their kicker, you can't start as a kicker. You only got one of them. If you right. have a kicker go down an hour before the game, I think I feel like you're going to see any other team kind of scramble in the last second and have that same situation. I don't think it was an unprepared thing because it really didn't, outside of changing you know, their game plan as to whether they're going to punt or go for it in certain situations, it's not like it's something that anybody's really going to prepare for. But now what I will say is I'm sure we'll go ahead and get into this, so I'll just go ahead and segue into it. The fourth and one call. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we here's, go. Here's, here's the issue. <laughs> I I did not agree with the call. I didn't either. But I also I, – I, I did agree, however, with the timeout because I think that, that in that situation, you know you're going to have to extend drives. You're going to have to – you can't be punting when you, when you do move the ball, especially when you don't have a field goal kicker. So I agreed with the timeout to get you in the right play. The fact that that was the play out of the timeout was less than ideal. But what I will say is I I, I get I understand that there was this, the zone read aspect to it, and it just kind of got muddled up and whatnot. In my opinion, Jeff Nixon should have just called a quarterback sneak, and and if it does, if they don't get it, they don't get it. But to throw the ball and, or to even have the option, to give Cam the option to throw the ball, just didn't make sense in my opinion. I mean, he made the right read to throw the ball, but it should have never been an option. See, and- I, t- I take a different approach to the whole play because to me, I felt like Matt Rule was trying to cover for Jeff Nixon. Like it, to me, it felt like they told Cam to throw it because if you look at the play, Robbie's expecting the football. Like Robbie's not trying to, to block. Robbie is expecting that ball to be there within two seconds, which tells me he was told. I'm throwing the ball to you as opposed to Cam deciding at the snap whether he's going to like look back at the play and kind of see how bang bang it is. Cam is not the type of quarterback to be like, I got one yard to go. I'm the greatest short yardage rushing quarterback in the history of the league. I'm going to toss this ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage to Robbie where there's two guys already on him and hope he can get a yard when I can just lean forward with the football and get the first down. Would you, I mean, think about Cam Newton, man. You know what I mean? Like, in his mind, which one would he rather do? Would he rather go across that fourth and one and get it himself? Or would he trust his arm and throw it backwards to Robbie Anderson to let him try to do something? It just didn't make any sense the way Matt Rule was explaining. And I didn't like the fact that he kind of put Cam under the bus, too, in favor of Nixon, basically saying Nixon made the right call. Cam just made the wrong play or the wrong throw or whatever. No, you guys told him to do this, and it just didn't work. And he basically, it feels like Cam is becoming the scapegoat of the season. And it feels like there's always a scapegoat. There's always someone else besides Matt rule that's responsible for what's happening. And it's become a theme where he's just constantly blaming players. He was doing it to Teddy. He was doing it to, he's doing it to cam. Now he blamed the defense in situations in some games where we look at each other. Like, why are you blaming the defense for losing this football game? They've been out there the whole day. He didn't really do it as much with Sam, which was kind of jarring because Sam was out there messing up and he was kind of protecting him. But he's doing it with Cam. He's done it the past couple of weeks. And that fourth and one, 
to me, I completely agree. They should have just did. They did it later in the, the game, if I'm not mistaken. It was a similar situation, and Cam just ran it for you know the first down. It was the simplest approach. It's like they're overthinking what they have, or they never really wanted Cam Newton. That was really kind of where I was going to be leading this here because I'm starting to feel like this was not Matt Rule's idea to bring Cam Newton back to Carolina because I do believe it was his idea to ship Cam Newton out of Carolina. So why would he bring Cam Newton back in? And they're clearly not using him the way you would typically think to use Cam Newton. Cam went 18 for 38 for 156 yards uh, on Sunday. And this is after Matt Rule just fired Joe Brady for not running the ball enough. I don't understand, like, why are they still not running the ball? They had 29 carries, but 15 of those were Cam, and half of those were Cam running for his life. Like, he had no place to go and would just take off running. They weren't even called running plays. Hubbard and uh, Abdullah had 12 carries between them. Like, I don't understand how that happens when the coach is adamantly saying every week we need to run the football. Like, what are you thinking about that? Because that feels like they're going directly against what they should do. It was 17 to 8 at the half. Yeah, I mean, I, it's tough to really kind of. I, I would have. I'm gonna have to. I usually t- Tuesdays is the day I go back and watch the all twenty two, so I'll have a better idea later. But I think they knew coming into this game that they're gonna have to probably throw the ball. Well, not coming into it, but an hour before kickoff, when they found out Zane wasn't gonna be available, that they're probably gonna have to throw the ball a little bit more just to get them in more manageable third and fourth down situations because. I mean, let's be honest. Buffalo's got a really, really good defense. Like, really, really good. Yeah, they've been with us up at the – and I know I've seen people say, ah, you can't use that whole total defense stat thing. It's really misleading. And to be honest, it kind of is because this Carolina defense is not the number one or the number two uh, defense in the league. I mean, just watching them play, you can kind of tell. Now, they were – I could say safely back in October when they were playing. I'm like, yeah, they kind of feel like the number two overall defense. But there's, there's holes. There's – leaks in the defense from them having to play so much this season they're still statistically i think number two overall but buffalo's been right there like all year and i think they've been near the top in rushing defense as well kind of like tampa bay so i can kind of see them not wanting to run but again if you're going to say you're a running football team running football teams don't pick and choose when they're going to run the football they run on you and make you stop it and we just didn't we didn't even really try they basically tried to make cam newton win it with his arm and I'm sorry. I love Cam Newton. I'm one of his biggest fans, but I think those days are gone. I don't think Cam Newton can win a football game with just his arm anymore. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that I really kind of took away from from this week, and I, I get everyone's just upset with Matt Rule, and they've been – and I've told you this a couple of weeks ago that I thought there's been a, a large portion of the fan base – that has disliked Matt Rule since the day they hired him and never gave him an opportunity to prove himself at all. That's, That's why you're seeing so many people just hop on the fire Matt Rule train as it is. I'm not saying that there's not there's not reasons why people should say that. I understand he's 10 and 20 as a head coach. But there I think the worst thing that Matt Rule did in the in his entire almost two years now as the head coach. And looking back on hindsight's 2020, I think the worst thing he has done is to bring Cam Newton back. And I say that because you're dividing the fan base. Or not, I wouldn't say dividing the fan base. You're almost turning them against you. Because the moment you bring him back, 
it, and he doesn't win you games, everyone's going to side with Cam Newton. They're oh, it's all- happening right now. Yeah, I see yeah, it all sure. over the place. I uh, got into an argument with some lady yesterday. I don't know if you were watching it or not. <laughs> I got into an <laughs> argument with some lady on Facebook that had commented on your uh, your Sports uh, Illustrated article about all of this. And it was funny, too, because it was like I was on the side of having to uh, not defend Matt Rule, but to basically be like Cam Newton isn't Cam Newton anymore, which was right. different for me because I'm usually the one defending Cam Newton to people. And after that game, I was like, I can't even defend this. Like, I mean, I know he's been thrown into an impossible situation for anybody. Like, you, I think Dan Orlovsky said this on first take right when they were bringing Cam back, like that day when he was in the building and they signed him. He was the only one that was like, this isn't going to work. You can't just parachute in a quarterback 10 weeks into a season, expect them to win football games in the NFL. These are pros. Like, you, Cam is not going to be able to do that. Like, it's just not going to work out. And we we're all like, eh, whatever, man. Cam Newton's home. We're happy. Whatever happens, happen. Well, I know at least I was. I was like, I wasn't expecting 2015 Cam, but I wasn't expecting a bum either. And I can't say Cam has been a bum so much. It feels more like they're putting him in positions where he's not going to excel. And I don't know if that's on purpose. Uh, I don't know if that's just what they want to do, but they're throwing out conflicting signals. But, you know, like if Rule is saying for a full month, he wants to run the football more. They go get Cam Newton, the greatest rushing quarterback, basically in the history of the league. They, they just slowly started using him in RPO after they fire the OC that won't run the ball. And then in this game, they refuse to run it too. They get, they got 151 yards on the ground, but 71 yards of that was Cam Newton running for his life basically. And it's almost like they refuse to use Cam to his strengths. Like, why would you not just do RPO all day? Like the Ravens do, like, why would you not make the game simpler for him because he doesn't have enough time to learn all of these plays and to build chemistry. I've seen he's been out with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, and I noticed he's been throwing to them more. Cam is just kind of like that with his receivers, and they love playing for him. But you can't expect Cam Newton to drop back 38 times in a football game against the number two ranked or number one ranked overall defense in the league on the road in December and, and expect the victory. Like that was the case when we first drafted Cam. You know, like we've known that from the very beginning. And that's what I was kind of arguing with that lady on Facebook about. She's like, oh, you're just a Cam hater. And I was laughing. So I'm like, wow, I've never had anybody call me a Cam Newton hater before. This is different. Like, I've never experienced this. Like, I don't, I don't even know how we got here. Like, this lady really doesn't know who I am. Yeah, and- like, <laughs> I think I, I just think it was a bad move because at, at the time, I mean, yes, the Panthers were still in the hunt for the playoffs. But let's be realistic. Like. Anytime you lose your starting quarterback, whether he's good or bad, and you have and you bring someone off the streets in the middle of the season, do you really think like even if you get to the playoffs, is that guy really going to take you to the Super Bowl? I right. mean, probably not. So like at that point, why not just ride with PJ Walker and and you bring in Matt Barkley as your backup? Because now you just and I hate to say this, but they wasted ten million dollars. Yep. They wasted ten million dollars on Cam Newton. They're wasting eighteen million on Sam Darnold. They had to pay Teddy Bridgewater to play for Denver. Like, the, the, I think I, I really think Matt Rule's biggest issue right now is that he wants to win now, and and I get he he understands this is a rebuild. And people can can have that argument back and forth all day. Oh, they're making moves, da 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 da. That, that makes it not a rebuild. 
it's a it's still a rebuild. You can't, put, you can't put lipstick on a pig and all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It, I mean, let's, it, it's been a rebuild since the beginning. I mean, they stripped the entire defense down to the core. Basically, Shaq Thompson's the only remaining guy yeah. uh, from that defense from a year or so ago. And they kind of left the offense the way it was because they felt skill position-wise they were pretty set, but they neglected the offensive line. I'm, I'm still not sure what the hell they were thinking with the offensive line, thinking guys like Pat Elfin and Cam Irvin could well, good, uh, well, good come point. in. Good thing you brought that up. So I'll go ahead and put this in here since you mentioned it. So yeah. everyone is is kind of upset about Cam Irving and, and Pat Elfine, rightfully so, especially more so that they signed them on the first day of free agency. What I would like to say, if you go back and look at the available offensive tackles in free agency last year, these are your top guys. 32-year-old Alejandro Villanueva, Cam Irving, 30-year-old Eric Fisher, 32-year-old Eric Reif, or Riley Reif, 28-year-old Kendall Lamb, 30-year-old Morgan Moses, and Mike Remmers. Charles and, and, uh, and uh, Charles Leno, which I do agree, had they waited in free agency, they maybe would have got Charles Leno, but no one expected the Bears to release Charles Leno. Remmers so, used to be here. Remmers was here on the uh, 2015 Super Bowl team right. uh, on, the, on the line. Yeah, that's why well, he left. <laughs> or while we let them go. I don't know that any of those tackles would have tickled anyone's fancy. And and let's be honest, no one really expected Tevin Jenkins to be a, a as good as he's been as a rookie. I mean, no one expected that. They they if if anyone's or if, if the if the Panthers said we believe JC Horn has a better chance of being a, a number one lockdown corner in this league more than Tevin Jenkins does having a chance of, of being a franchise, you know, offensive tackle, then why not take the guy that you have a more of a certainty on? And I agree with that. At the time, I still thought Patrick Sertain was the better cornerback. But, I mean, through a couple of games, you could see J.C. Horn has that it factor. But going to the offensive line moves with or with Irving and Elfline, those are rebuilding-type moves. And the, way I, and the reason I say that is because I've been around Pittsburgh Pirates baseball long enough to know <laughs> when you rebuild as they've seemingly done their entire my entire existence on this earth you don't necessarily go out and make moves when you're not ready to compete so when they bring in a guy like cam irving or they bring in a guy like pat elfline that's what you call patchwork these are guys that aren't expected to solve those situations they know they're still in a rebuild and a rebuild and if you're still two to three years away from being competitive enough to get to the playoffs and win games in the playoffs, you don't need to go sign guys for a lot of money or you don't need to go get top-tier free agents. Get some guys that, quite honestly, are going to help you struggle because you're going to help get that, that higher draft pick. I know that's not really the thinking that teams should have, but that's just what teams have historically done in NFL, NBA, you know, MLB, whatever. These guys are patchwork moves. They're not going to be here long term. That's what they did. This is exactly why things are playing out the way they are. But to go back really quick on Cam Newton, he's 32 years old. He's not on the books next year. I I, I just I think the worst thing Matt Rule has done so far was to bring Cam Newton back. He is not the same quarterback. He let's be honest, and, and I hate to really go this this far. If you look in his career, Carolina, he had one terrific season. The yeah. year they went to the MVP year. Yeah. Outside of that, 
you could make an argument. Was he a top quarterback in the league? Yeah. But was he ever an elite quarterback outside of 2015? I don't know. I mean, in terms of rushing the ball, yeah, he, he was one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. That's it maybe 2017. If you look at his 2017 yeah. year, uh, and that was when he was with North Turner, uh, and he finally got some help in terms of the, the the high balls and things like that that he was doing. But then he got hurt towards the end of the year, uh, or nicked up, I should say. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe 2017, but I agree. 2015 was the peak of Cam Newton. And, and again, that goes back to what I was saying. You can't treat Cam Newton like a pocket passer. He's never been one, like ever. So it's, it's the only person I can ever think of that, was able to basically completely shift the trajectory of their career from a running quarterback to a pocket passer is Randall Cunningham. That's the only guy I can think of where he was kind of known for his legs, you know, and then he actually took a couple years off, you know, he wasn't signing anybody. The Vikings bring him in, have you've got maybe the greatest wide receiver of all time and Randy Moss and one of the greatest touchdown catchers and Chris Carter on the other side, you got Robert Smith behind you, got a great offensive line, great defense. I mean, he stepped right into a situation where they could win right now. Like if Cam, if Cam had stepped into a situation here where McCaffrey was healthy, they had an O-line in front of him and the defense we currently have, this Panther team is probably nine and five or, you know, 10 and four or whatever, because he would be able to, to flourish in that situation. But you parachuted him into a situation where the the offense didn't have McCaffrey as you parachute him in. The offensive line's a hot mess, and we knew that by the time he got here. And there's no sense of uh, identity on the offense as he's walking in, which brings me back to my original point. Uh, you know, you were saying that Matt Rule should have never brought Cam Newton here. I don't think Matt Rule brought Cam Newton here. I'm starting to fully believe this was all David Tepper's idea. If you If you think back to the day that he signed, the picture going around on social media, what was it? It wasn't Cam Newton and Matt Rule sitting at a table smiling at each other. It was a picture of Cam Newton and David Tepper in Tepper's driveway. You know, like we never caught the sense that Matt Rule was 100% on board with bringing Cam on. And he's been kind of doing things to stunt the growth of Cam Newton as he's been here. If you're going to let Cam be here the whole rest of this year and you're going to cut him at the end of the year, whatever happens, cool. But if you're doing that and you're going to pay him $10 million, then Sam Darnold's name shouldn't even be brought up again. Like he shouldn't even be an option to play. If the, the plan was to do this with Cam, you can't shift the plan three weeks into it because it's not fair to Cam Newton. He's sitting there trying to learn the playbook, and now you're doing, now you're going to bench him for the guy you brought him in for. <laughs> I mean, they've done this for the past two years. Like I don't understand the logic of the quarterback position with the Panthers. And until they get that right, they're not going to win football games. I fully don't expect them to win another game this year because of the the mess in the quarterback room. I'm expecting to see Sam Darnold in a Panther uniform before this is over. This Sunday might be the last game we see Cam Newton play in a Panther uniform. Like I'm starting to really feel like that might be a, a distinct possibility that Cam will play this Sunday. Maybe the last time he ever plays in the NFL. It might be, you know, and before we weren't prepared for it, we didn't know like because he got hurt and was missing a whole year. Then COVID happened. And then he got cut. And it's like, you know, we didn't really know at the time what we were watching, but the fan base, my gauge from them right now, and me being a Carolina Panther fan myself, we're kind of going into this thinking, okay, the writing's on the wall. Cam Newton, he at least he's not in Matt Rule's future plans for this team. It almost feels like it's going to come down to either Cam Newton's going to be here next year or Matt Rule's going to be here next year, but not both of them. Yeah, and I, and I really don't think I, – I just don't see it happening. And, and, I, and I think you, you you're kind of – you're, you're kind of spot on with that. I do think Matt Rule 
maybe had an interest in bringing Cam back. I, I but I do think Tepper kind of was the the straw that stirred the drink. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to offer a quarterback sitting on a couch. It's almost like David Tepper wanted to to right his wrongs and and just let the situation be what it is. And but, I mean, if that's the case, then everyone should be blaming David Tepper for this. Not not Matt Rule. If Matt Rule did not want Cam Newton back, you're you're throwing a whole wrench in in the middle of the season that should have never happened. I'm and starting to catch a little of that though from the fan base too, where there is some blame starting to go towards Tepper. The problem is we don't know if it was 100% Tepper right. Cam back or Rule, so we can't blame Tepper until we know, and we'll probably never find out. Like I, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the past two years or so tepper kind of makes like a surprise appearance towards the end of the year and talks to the press is, do you remember is that right because i feel like he'll he'll just pop up and start talking about something and he just kind of opens it up for them to answer to ask questions to him am i wrong or i know i know he did two years ago i can't remember if he did last year or not with co- well, COVID was going on and all that stuff but i mean he's had the team since what 2018 i think now yes yeah. so, like, going yeah. on four years uh, i want to say the past couple of years because i know the one of those years was the year he came out and, and explained the uh the rock hill complex that they were going to build and he bought land and they're going to make this state-of-the-art thing and um he's kind of buying land all around where boa is right now uh it sounds like he's going to turn it into like an entertainment district where they'll have the, the major league soccer stadium there and uh, maybe a new stadium for the Panthers down the road and that kind of thing, which is awesome for Charlotte. I don't have a problem with David Tepper as an owner. Like, I feel like he kind of, he's not like old school Jerry Jones where he's just kind of meddling and everything like a Scooby-Doo villain. He's kind of like, <laughs> he's kind of like off to the side. If it's a big decision, he steps in, but he, for the most part, it feels like he lets his football people handle the football stuff, which is what you're supposed to do. But when it comes to huge things like this, you got to think back to the situation at hand. They just found out Sam Darnold's shoulder blade is cracked. You already know from watching every day, PJ Walker is not going to get you wins or ticket sales for that matter. Cam Newton sitting at home. You know, we'll come back if you ask him. It, the break was somewhat amicable. Why don't we just see what we can do with Cam? And it's almost like Tepper, to me, I can picture it in my head, him just calling rule on that Tuesday when they get the, the x-ray results from Darnold and rolls like, well, we got to find a quarterback real quick. Tepper's like, go get Cam. He already knows the franchise. The franchise knows him. The fans will love it. It'll be a feel good story. You can run him. You've been saying you want to run the football. Who's better to do that than Cam Newton? Why would you not want Cam Newton? And in Rule's head, he's thinking, well, because I cut him. <laughs> That's yeah. why I don't want him. Like, I, I wanted a fresh start because I do remember people telling me it was Rule uh, that wanted to cut Cam. Like, that was his decision. And he had to take it to Tepper, and Tepper signed off on it. So it wasn't like, uh, it was like a spur of the moment thing. He wanted to move on. Like when they found out they could get Teddy Bridgewater, that was when they decided to let Cam go. And that was the business decision. And my understanding was that it was rule that made that decision. So I can't get back to a place where Matt rule all of a sudden after a year and two quarterbacks decides that he made a mistake and needs to bring Cam Newton back. Cause he's not using him the way a court, a coach would use Cam Newton. If you truly wanted him back. Yeah, I think I think like I said, bringing Cam Newton back was not only a mistake, but in, in terms of on the field, but like the the off the field stuff, like I can't even mention Matt Rule without people talking and complaining about firing <laughs> him or like it's just it's absurd. Like and I, and I get some people may take like as you said where he's throwing Cam under the bus, but. 
I don't necessarily view it like that because, I mean, I've been in these press conferences for two years now, and this is just Matt Rule. He's going to brutally, honestly tell you the truth, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And it's not just been Cam. I mean, he's done it with with PJ. He's done it with Sam. And I and I know that there's people saying, well, yeah, he kind of coddled Sam after the Giants game. But, I mean, it, he's had several other instances where he has just been straight up brutally honest about how bad Sam Darnold has been. And he's done it with not just quarterbacks. He's done it with every other player. Mm-hmm. The way I look at it is, I mean, most coaches do that. Like, you go around and you listen to all these other press conferences – Matt Rule's not the only one. They're and they're not throwing the players under the bus. They're simply asking the question. And personally, I think I'm not going to name names, but there's some people within the media that phrase their questions in a way that it gets to their to, to go in the in alignment with their agenda. So when the question is asked, no one hears the question. Everyone clips the the Matt Rule answer. That is true. Yeah, that is and true. Puts it as, Oh, Matt Rule throws Cam Newton under the bus. Well, you didn't hear the question. The question was, what happened on the fourth and one call? Was it a zone read that Cam have the option to throw it? And he said, yes, he had the option to throw it. He shouldn't have thrown it. He should have just ran it. That's what, the, But that's what makes it seem like he's throwing Cam under the bus. I don't see it as that it's him answering the question because they asked what happened on the play. But, again, this is stuff that it happens everywhere. People are going to – are going to tell or coaches are going to tell the truth about what's you know supposed to happen on certain places. Some coaches don't. I personally would rather know because I, I want to have a better understanding. Like Monday, Matt rule was asked about it again on the fourth and one call. And he gave, gave a tremendous breakdown of it after he went back and watched the film and he corrected himself and said, no, I'm wrong. Oh, good. He made the right read. And it just there was nothing there. We shouldn't have called it. Da 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 da. So he he took ownership for it when he went. Yeah, that, that makes me feel a little bit better about the call because to me, because that's what I was saying. Like it, it was almost like they told Cam this is going to be there because like Cam. And, and honestly, if you go back and watch it, and, and I know he had outside leverage, but if Brandon Zilcher just chips the guy, yeah, it, it's there. Yeah, he just, he just missed. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, but even so, like, that's what I was saying earlier in the podcast, where on Sunday, it made it sound like Cam wasn't supposed to throw it there. But when you watch the play, it's like, it sounds like Cam was directed to throw it there, or it looks like it anyway, because it's such a boom, boom thing. Cam went into that snap thinking, I'm throwing this football, like, regardless of what's over there, because it happened in less than two seconds. It's snap, fake the handoff, throw it. Like, literally, there's no time to even think about doing anything else. So he had to have thought that before the play even started or been told that to throw that because someone's telling him it's going to be there. And to your point, it would have been there if Zilcher, you know, chips that one guy. It would have been Robbie one-on-one with a, a DB right there. But again, it's not the right play to call. It's fourth and one. If Cam Newton under center, you literally can just line him up under center and push forward. And I'd be much more satisfied with that and not getting the first down that way <laughs> than, than this. <laughs> like this was like, you're trying to trick one of the top defenses in the league here, and it's not going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to work, especially Cam is not the most accurate thrower. Like, that was the most embarrassing part about the whole thing. Cam, it almost looked like Cam thought that Robbie was going to be a step or two behind where he actually was. It's like Cam it's was going to a spot. Too. And then I was almost wondering, did he do that to make sure it wasn't a pick? That could be also. And that was something else that I thought of because the look on Cam's face, well, the look on Cam's face after he throws it looks more like, 
you weren't where you were supposed to be. Right, right. You know, like it, it, and they're going to blame me for this <laughs> because the, it, if you just look at it on the surface, the throw looks like he just misses. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, Cam's arm, blah, blah, blah. He's totally lost it. And I'm like, nah, I've seen him throw these seam routes to these running backs like 20 yards, 25 yards out with some zip on it. Yes, he underthrew DJ Moore on that one second half play that, uh, were more oh, wide open and like you know cam from four years ago he's out throwing ted Ginn. you know like he he could have just if he could have got a little bit more underneath it that's a touchdown and he just underthrew it you know like, yeah you know? i know it was it was the game was well decided at this point but how bad was the interception at the end of the game that was probably the worst interception Cam's thrown yeah. since he's been out. Like, it honestly not... looked like Cam said, the hell with this. Let's yeah, just... I'm going to get me off his tune. <laughs> you don't want to bring P.J. Walker in today for some random reason? Fine. <laughs> Let me stand out here and take all these bullets. Because Cam was getting beat up. Like, the Bills' defense is no joke. And he was getting blasted on some of these plays where I was surprised he didn't uh, turn the ball over on Sunday because a couple of those those hits that he was taking in the backfield, I'm like, geez, he still held on to the ball after that. Um yeah, the, the one the, run yeah, he had that fumbled and it went into DJ Moore's hands miraculously uh on the first down run. Even that and I think I sent you the I did I sent you the video of that clip. The clip yeah, of sure. Cam running for the first down. What the hell is Cam Irvin doing on this play? He literally stands up and just stands there. There's no one in front of him. He doesn't look for anyone to block. The guy he's supposed to block just runs in kind of surprised, like, oh, hey, Cam, what's going on, man? And and like Cam, he jukes him and realizes there's a free man still running around in the backfield. And he just takes off running. And Cam shows a little speed on the run or whatnot and uh, gets the first down. But as he's falling down, the ball comes out, of course. And just by the grace of God, it goes into DJ Moore's hands and we get the first down. But my buddy sent that video to me late Sunday night. Uh, I have a friend who has been adamant that Scott Fitter is the worst GM ever and that he does not know <laughs> offensive lines. And he's been sticking with me all year. Like, remember when I told you he can't build an offensive line, blah, 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 blah. Um, he was like, he did the same thing in Seattle. He, he, he basically focused on extra draft picks and skill positions, and then they didn't use him right, and he never got offensive line. And now I'm sitting there back thinking, damn, he might be right, because that's kind of what's happening right now. But uh, he, he messaged me and sent me that that video and he's like see i told you back in august that you know cam Irvin was not going to work out or whatever and i'm like oh my gosh i didn't even realize on that play that cam Irvin just i don't know what he's doing he just stands up and just stands there like he's waiting for a blocker to run into him and there's no one there there's no one within 10 yards of him he kind of looked like he was scrambling for the first time. yeah <laughs> then he takes off running with cam to block and, and pancakes some dude down the field that has really nothing to do with any of it and i'm just like if that wasn't the the personification of the Panthers' offensive line for 2021, I don't know what is. Because that literally watching that, I was like, okay, I don't know if it matters who you put back here behind this line this year for the last four games. It's going to kind of be the same thing. We've kind of seen it uh, with Teddy last year. We saw it with Sam this year. And now we're seeing it with Cam where they're going to make some mistakes, yes, but they can't get comfortable because the offensive line is providing zero uh, ability to protect them when they need it the most. And it's kind of luring them into mistakes. And then they're starting to make mistakes, the quarterbacks and not be uh, pressured because now they're thinking about it. They're hearing footsteps and stuff and not knowing where the pressure is coming from. And we don't adjust. We do not adjust on offense whatsoever. That's another beef I have with head coach, Matt rule. It just doesn't feel like when we come out in the third quarter that we're doing anything differently or when a team figures us out, we don't change what we're doing 
we just kind of keep plugging away. And that's how you get a game that's 17 to 8 at the half end up being 31 to uh, 14 by the end of it, where teams, it feels like this has been the same way the past five weeks, where teams just kind of slowly pull away in the third and fourth quarter, and there's nothing we can do about it. And at the end, you look at the score, and it looks much worse than it was, but it's been going on and on. I think part of that, I mean, yes, part of it is coaching, part of it's adjustments. I'm not going to stray away from that because – even though I, I've I've stood stood here on this podcast every single week and have told people to not get you know impatient with Matt Rule, there is stuff that I do think he needs to to do, like play Brady Christensen, play Deontay Brown, but even even with the coaching, you know, I think there is some things that he needs to do to 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 change his game plan up, make adjustments as the game goes. But also, you got to keep in mind too to look at the roster, like. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's in a dark, dark place. I mean, it, no, I wouldn't say a dark, dark place, but I mean, they're they're in a situation where they they don't have their best offensive player. They had DJ Moore banged up. They have a, a, a really just shoddy offensive line right now that they knew was going to be the issue. But what what else should we expect? As I said earlier in, in the show, like what what else should we expect at this point? Like, yeah. they're going to make adjustments because even if you make adjustments, they're not going to show because they don't have the right horses to make those adjustments. It, you're going to have to see some changes in the offseason. And and let's be frank, I, if the Panthers draft a quarterback, Matt Rule will be fired in 2022. I'm telling you. Because none of those guys in this draft are going to be good enough to, to get the, the issues solved. Yeah, and number two, if you don't spend – that first round pick on a freaking left tackle. Oh gosh, yes. you have got to be gone. Like, and people can say, "Oh, well, I don't want to have Sam." Dar-. I'm telling you right now, I would rather have Sam Darnold out there and pay him his 18 million and let him play on that 18 million behind a, a first round pick at left tackle, and maybe McCaffrey back healthy, and, and and have McCaffrey back than to bring and then to potentially trade away Darnold and eat 15, 16 million of his contract or sit him on the bench for 18 million, bring somebody else in, whether it be Kenny Pickett or whatever, and have the same issues at offensive line. I would yeah. rather, much rather have Darnold a quarterback, even though it, <laughs> I don't think anyone does, but I'd rather have him. I mean, a- with that, with those being my choices, then yes, uh, I would rather. Cause I, do you think that, do you think that there's a possibility they invite Cam Newton back for a year next year on a team friendly deal? Like, you know, like $2 million or something silly. This is my thought on it. If they believe that they can bring in another veteran quarterback, be Deshaun Watson, be it Jimmy Garoppolo, anybody of that nature that they feel like can come in and actually fix their issues right away. No, he will not come back. I don't think, but if they think, their options are going to be limited to either the draft or keeping Sam Darnold. I do think they'll try and bring back Cam only if, again, like as we we talked about, we don't know who wanted Cam back if Matt Rule wants him back. So that's that's the biggest player of it all. But, But the thing is, even if Cam does come back, I truly do not think he will be the starting quarterback for for the entire season. If he comes back, it's to groom that draft pick that they decide to spend on a quarterback. And then once he's ready to go, they'll play him. Or he'll come back and let's let's face it, you're paying Sam Donald $18 million. 
He's going to be the starting quarterback if he's still here. He's Cam may be the backup or a guy that they bring in in certain packages, which may, at this point in his career may not be a bad idea because, I mean, Sam or Cam, he's just not a starting quarterback anymore. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I, I laughed uh, from in hindsight, and we said it earlier. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I almost feel like they probably should have stuck with the way they played versus Arizona. Let yeah. PJ run the the, the you, up you, and down you that week too. Yeah, yeah. You could you could have just kept it like that and kept Cam fresh, kept him short yardage, goal line, red zone offense. Like implement some sort of red zone offensive package for Cam. Like understand what's in front of you. You brought him in like week ten or whatever. There's no way he's going to learn this playbook completely by the by in enough time to help us win games by himself. So. Yeah. We we already tried this whole ease him in thing. Fans go nuts for it. He scored two touchdowns, throws a touchdown, runs for a touchdown. If they had kept, continued to do that, you kind of, A, you protect Cam Newton's legacy with the fan base because you're not exposing him as this older 32-year-old guy that just can't get it done anymore by himself. You're actually getting reps for P.J. Walker because he's not under contract next year either, and you need to decide what to do with him. Uh, cause you're not going to get it this way with him sitting back watching Cam Newton play with a, a four page, uh, playbook. You know what I mean? Like, so you're kind of screwing yourself by doing it this way. And you kind of would give an element of surprise against, uh, defenses in the league. They wouldn't know what to really do because they don't, there's hardly any film on PJ Walker whatsoever. You can still run RPO and that kind of stuff. Actually, I think Walker would be suited best in that type of offense. And then you bring in Cam to get those, those fourth and ones to get that, first and goal from the eight yard line the, the you bring him in as like this weapon and instead of him being the quarterback he's just this like athlete like go old school high school listings when a kid's playing like four positions or whatever and they just call him he's just athlete that's what they should have had him as and i think now actually to be honest i don't think they can pull that back now because now can't i mean this sunday can play the whole game pj didn't get in at all so i don't even know if they could even go back to that now is that something that would be beneficial to the team if they decided to, to do that. Or maybe they do that with Sam and Cam. Maybe Sam comes back and, he, and he's doing this and, and Cam comes in for goal line situations or red zone offense or whatever because Sam was having issues with them in the red zone like Teddy was last year. Is that is that something you would like to see? Or is this is this just too much of a mess for them to, to come out looking okay in, uh, by the time the season is over? I mean, even though they're five and nine, I mean – at this point, the fan base is focused on, oh, how how can we get a higher draft pick? But the the coaching staff, the players, they have they don't give a, a rat's you know what about the right. they they want to win the games. We had I believe we had this conversation last year when you're like, oh, do the, do you try and get a better draft pick or do you win games? No, the, the mindset should always be win games. The draft does one or two spots in the draft really make that much of a difference? Maybe I don't know, but. I think when you're five and nine, you're going to do what is going to give you the best chance to win. I don't think that PJ Walker starting against Tom Brady twice. <laughs> I just don't think that's going to make sense. Now, I mean, I none of it makes sense. None of it. None of it makes any sense. We're like we're yeah. in a bizarro world right now. Like, do whatever that can stick to the wall. Maybe something works. Because this isn't working. You can't throw Cam Newton out there. No, you can't. Defense twice. I, I will say, if Sam does come back and is able to play, 
people are going to have a fit if he does play, but and especially if he becomes the starter and Cam's the backup. But people need to get, people <laughs> need to get this in their heads. Again, as you said, if that was the case where Rule just kind of or Tepper just kind of dumped Newton onto Rule, and he didn't want that. He's going to do what he wants to do. He's the coach. Like during this situation, like he doesn't have his starting quarterback. So, yeah, he's going to play Cam because he's better than PJ. But I mean, let's be honest Sam Darnold has a better arm than Cam Newton right now. Yeah, that's true. There's no one disputing it. If, If anyone has an argument about that, then you're just a true Cam loyalist that has, like, yeah, (laughs) and they can't admit to the facts. But Sam Darnold has a better arm. Does he make better decisions? Uh, that's a great that's area. But, area. <laughs> but what I'm saying is he's owed $18 million next year. You have to figure out what you've got in him, even though what we know already is not very much. But there may be something that clicked for him in this time off, and he goes out and plays well. And like I said, you could use it as trade value or you could use it to, to have him start next year. Has and he been there? Has he been like on the sidelines? Um, I don't know if he's been. I, I haven't seen him at the games. I don't know if he's if he's. I, I I know he can't travel with the team on the road games. I don't know if he's allowed to be there for home games or not. Hmm. Um, but if he plays well enough, then maybe you can draft a left tackle in the first round, start Sam Darnold, and maybe that second or that third round quarterback is still there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some options there, and I. You know, I agree with you to an extent where I don't want to just give up on Sam because of how he got here um, and knowing what's in front of him. I know that played a role in his play. Uh, however, some of the plays he had, it was just on Sam. But I do have to think that he was probably hearing footsteps at that point uh, or ghost, as Sam would say. Um, but uh... <laughs> and, and the thing with the rule, like as you mentioned, like, can you really blame Matt Rule, though? Like, honestly, if. If you if you never wanted Cam Newton, and then all of a sudden David Tepper goes out and calls Cam Newton, calls him up and says, "Hey, would you want to come back?" And then Tepper calls calls you and says, "Hey, we got Cam back." Mm-hmm. He just throws him on to Cam. If that was the case, I mean, can you really be mad at Matt Rule for being upset with the situation? And if Cam goes out there and plays bad and it's not what he wants, like. Well, yeah, I mean, I can because he's putting him in bad situations. Like, as, yeah. as the head coach of the team, he had to recognize at that point, okay, this is my situation. Darnold may or may not even return. P.J. Walker can't lead us for the next eight games or whatever. I, this I is what I have. I got to adjust. We got to adjust what we do. I guess I'm speaking more so from the post-game stuff. Like, the the, the on-the-field stuff, yeah. At that point, if he's your quarterback, he's your quarterback. You have to make it work. In, in the post-game stuff – I, I guess when people take out rules comments as it being, you know, directed towards Cam, I mean, if that was the case, yeah, I'm sure he is pissed. <laughs> like he yeah. he doesn't want he doesn't want him to be the guy. Makes sense. I mean, and it, it kind of makes sense. It a lot. If, if someone's there that you don't want to be there, then yeah, I'd probably have some remarks too. But especially if the owner dropped him in your lap, you can't necessarily say Cam is screwing all this up because then you're saying Tepper is screwing all this up, and right. you can't really do that either. So it's like he's playing it's a, a dangerous tightrope game. Yeah. Now, now I will say this before we get out of here. 
based on what rule was saying Sunday and Monday, when people were asking him about Darnold's condition, because he did return to practice last week, if I'm not mistaken, he's not fully going yet. They're going to decide that this week, I'm starting to feel like Darnold's going to play on Sunday and not only play, I'm starting to feel like he's going to start on Sunday. Um, he because rule, because rule has not ruled it out. And that's been his track record. The two years he's been here, whenever something like that happens, uh, when someone asks him a point blank question, he doesn't really give you a point blank response. Like you were saying earlier, that you it feels like it's already been rolling around in his head to give to give Sam the start if he can practice this week and bring Cam in for like we were just saying goal line red zone short yardage uh that kind of thing so it's much better to have Sam and Cam uh as a dual quarterback whatever than Cam and PJ like that's a distinct drop in level of uh ceiling to me yeah. Uh, but, you, but you saw that you could make that work with someone, you know, driving the car up and down the field and having Cam park it, you know, like that, that can work. And it's not too late for them to go ahead and do that. And for Cam, if he's truly sitting there saying, you know, whatever it takes to win, I'm down for whatever. He should have zero issue with doing that coming into the situation. He knew what it was going to be. So and, and let's be honest. I work. mean, when, when Sam was playing and when he didn't turn the ball over, I mean, it's not like the offense wasn't, moving the ball like they were moving the ball they just kept stalling out yeah they for, at least from what i remember now i could be go i might go back on games and be like wow that was a terrible take but no no, no, no. You're, no i remember you're i think he was moving the ball and then there was a couple bad decisions that happened the drive stalled out or he turned the ball over maybe you that is what you do you, you let sam march it down the field and then if you get inside to a certain spot where you think cam can punch it in that's what you do but I, I don't know if he's going to start this week because I, I do think last week when he talked about it at one point in time during the week, I can't remember which day it was, maybe earlier in the week, it seemed like he said something about like it's a little further down the road as in like towards the end of December. So yeah. I think that this week's probably a bit of a stretch to see him play, even start. So I think Cam's going to get the start. I do think he'll play. If anyone else plays, I think it'd be PJ. I think – it'd be more so next week against new Orleans is where that could come into play. That's a softer spot to land in for Sam. Yeah. Too, I would imagine playing against a saints team. That's uh, been having quarterback issues themselves uh, this year. Uh, they're basically playing a fullback, a quarterback and Taysom Hill. Uh, <laughs> Don't even get the start on Taysom Hill. It could be much worse, Panther fans. Uh, at least we've got something to still talk about here. You could uh, be the New York Giants with Jake uh, Fromm and Mike Glennon. <laughs> yes, that that I have a friend that's a Giants fan, and I just ha I feel so bad for him. Like, I thought we had it bad as Panther fans. I mean, at least we got some things to cheer for throughout the course of the year. Hey, Cam came back home. Hey, CMC's playing. Oh, CMC's not playing. Oh, CMC's playing. Oh, he's hurt again. I mean, so, just, just look at some of these other teams around the league, though. Like, there, there's some of these teams that just have no hope. Like, I mean, they, they don't have any building pieces on the offense or defensive side of the ball. The Panthers, like, you, you have the, you have certain pieces. You just a couple of missing links away, and maybe some depth pieces away from being competitive. Like, yeah. I, I think you just gotta reel it back and, and understand. Yes, they took some steps forward this year, but they also took some steps back. It's an up and down year, year two. That's what Matt Rule has done historically throughout his career we'll see year three is typically when he turns around i know the nfl is different but i think you have to give him at least a chance to go to year three and if he struggles again then you know what 
I'm a hundred percent on board with firing. I'm up to like first four weeks of, uh, of 2022. Like if the Panthers are like one, depending, in the on, what they do like that. depending on what they do at quarterback. Cause I think if you, if, if their plan is to bring in a rookie, then I think you, you kind of have to give them a little bit more than four weeks. But if it's, if you bring Sam back or you go get Deshaun or any of those other guys and it's one and three, two and four start, then yeah. Carolina Panthers today. You can follow Skyler on Twitter at uh, Callahan underscore. You can follow on Twitter at DEZDES underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. Uh, definitely follow Skyler uh, throughout the week for uh, Sports Illustrated articles on the Panthers, in-depth coverage there throughout the week. And you, you can listen to previous episodes of the Believe in Panther podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.